Hey, hey, welcome. And uh, wasn't that a great time of worship? I, God's presence is so here and so with us. And I just was sitting there going, man, this is like, you ever gone to church and felt like, wow, I'm getting fired up. Like, we don't always feel that. And I'm feeling that today. Like, so thankful for our team and what's happening. And, uh, you know, actually, it's, it's kind of cool to be able to celebrate this, too, because God is on the move. So I've never had this happen before. Uh, over the last uh, couple of months, as I've got started here, we started back here with this welcome home. And the idea was when the lights are on, that we celebrate that somebody came to faith, right? Okay. Well, I've never had this happen before. I've had two people come to me during our worship set this morning and say, hey, do you know that somebody in Pathway Kids just received Jesus? So guess what? The lights are on. Like, praise God. Praise God that he is moving in our midst. Amen? And uh, we are so glad you're here today and a part of what God is doing, because this really is I believe a move of God. And whether you're here in person or online, we are so glad that you're with us. Uh, you know, when you think about this series that we're in, you think about what we're doing, we're, we're saying, okay, who are we as a church? What is Jesus about? What does it mean for us to live in community together and to realize our purpose in life? And you know, I, I was looking up the statistics on this uh, recently there's a book, some of you have heard of it, The Purpose Driven Life. This book now has sold over 35 million copies. Uh, unbelievable the amount of interest in people in understanding their purpose, right? I'll never forget the first time I read the book. I, I opened it up and the very first line says, it's not about you. That's a bestseller? That's the way you start? It's not about you, but, but wait, I've tried to find my purpose. And here's the thing, for many of us, that's the game changer today, is a shift in our understanding of what life is about. It's interesting, when you look at uh, child psychology and development, around age two, kids begin what's known as parallel play. They begin playing near others and becoming aware of others. By age three or four, they're supposed to develop an interest in others and, and begin to move from parallel play to actually being aware of and engaging with those around them. Can you see how maybe for some of us, it's time to look around? Let me keep going. In fact, let me just humor me for a minute. Let, let me just hear you say this phrase. It's not about me. Okay, if you're online, drop it in the comments for our host. It's not about me. It's not about me. I had a, grand, a grandfather. He's uh, passed away a few years ago, Clayton Jones. And uh, it's hard for me to talk about him without getting emotional. What a legacy of faith he left our family. Just a man of God that that loved and served in ways that were so humble, it was never about him. And I'll never forget, I'm in my teen years, and, and you know, as, as we develop an uh, awareness of others in our teen years, it kind of becomes about us again, doesn't it? And, and some of us might be stuck in permanent adolescence, I don't know. 
but, but, but we begin to deal with that, right? And so I'm in this stage where it's all about me again. And I remember talking to my grandfather, and uh, he had retired uh, as a railroad engineer. He had a, had a tough job. Uh, he, he wasn't one of the engineers that, he was a civil engineer that assessed uh, accidents and figured out what had gone wrong. And so he had had an entire career, retired from Grand Trunk Railroad, and yet got busier in many ways in retirement. Uh, in fact, I can remember he was volunteering and serving uh, for Habitat for Humanity. He was doing it for a Bible camp, uh, his church. He was so engaged and involved that, that he was actually putting in more hours as a volunteer many weeks than he probably did when he worked full time. And so I went to him at one point as a teen and I said, Grandpa, uh, I thought you were retired. And he said, show me retirement in the Bible and I'll retire. And I never forgot that. Because for him, right till the end, God has a purpose. He wants to use us. And he did right up until he couldn't anymore. And so for us today, as we look at this, we're talking about serving starts here. Can you say that with me? Serving starts here. Starts here, it starts now with each of us addressing that reality that it's not about us, it's about him and it's about loving the people in our pathway. In this series, we've been sharing with you uh, just our mission as a church. Uh, it's to love God and love all people in our pathway. And, and as we think about that, I'm already beginning to hear stories, even this morning, of people that are living that adventure, that are now learning how to love others and, and see others in their pathway. It's exciting to be a part of it, isn't it? I mean, God is moving. And as we move together, discipleship is what we want to be about. That's what Jesus said, right? He, he didn't say, go build this church. In fact, he said, I'll build my church. He said in Matthew 28, you go and make disciples. And so our discipleship pathway as we've been walking through this series, just as a reminder, is to connect on the weekends. That's what we're doing here. Connect with God and with others in our weekend services. We looked at that a couple weeks ago in a message that Pastor Randy delivered. Last week, I looked at grow. What does it mean for us to grow with God and with others in discipleship relationships? Remember, a disciple is a committed follower of Jesus. Can you say that with me? A committed follower of Jesus. Somebody who is, doesn't just believe in Jesus, but is loving and following Jesus in all of life, right? So we want to be growing in that. And today we look at serve. What does it look like to serve with God and with others, not just at Pathway, that's where we're here today, but beyond as well, amen? And so I'm gonna pray us in because we're gonna be in John 13 today and God has something to say to us. And I can't wait to see what is next as we lean into this. Father, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for this student today and Pathway Kids that received you as their Lord and Savior. We give you all the glory and honor. Thank you for turning the light on in their life and that we get to celebrate it with them today. And Father, we want to be a church that loves and serves and grows with you. We want to be a part of your movement here in the world. And so Father, today as we get into your word, I pray that our hearts, our minds would be open to you that, Father, you would speak through your word, that it would go forth to accomplish the purpose for which you're sending it. God, hide me that you can be heard, and may you get all the glory. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. 
So let's take a look at this in John 13. If you'll turn there with me. Uh, first two verses say this. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. I'm going to just pause right there. This is the context. This is the moment in time that we're viewing what does it look like for Jesus to show love and to, to serve and to say serve, serving starts here. The context is Passover. So they're gathered there and Passover is a time where they would have been used to annually this recognition of a sacrifice needed for their sins an atonement, if you will, the sacrifice of a lamb that, that in fact the blood would cover their sins. So they're gathered for Passover, and Jesus is in this room with his disciples. Again, these committed followers of Jesus. And as he's there with them, it mentions in verse 2 that Judas Iscariot is there too. Now, that's important because what we're going to see in this passage is a love that is absolutely limitless. You see, Jesus's love is limitless. You say that with me? Jesus's love is limitless. That in fact, Jesus in this moment is going to demonstrate a love that has no limits, that knows in fact who Judas is, calls him out in the passage as the one who would betray him, but still loves him and the rest of the disciples till the end. That is incredible for us to think about. Because in many ways, we have experienced betrayal. We've gone through betrayal. We've betrayed others. We've betrayed, even in fact, God in moments where we've turned our own way. And here's Jesus showing a love that has no limits, that isn't based on performance, that isn't based on how and what we've done. It's unconditional. As we know about grace, it's unmerited favor. It's a love that meets us right where we're at in that moment. And in this moment, can you picture, you, you have them sitting around a table and this love till the end, a love that is so great that nothing can prevent it or stop it. And I just wonder for us if we've maybe put limits on God's love. Maybe for you, there's people that you've decided that you'll love those people, but maybe not them. I mean, can we just like acknowledge 2020 was a challenging year, right? And, and believe it or not, it was a year ago this weekend that really marks the moment when, when COVID kind of began to affect the entire nation in a bigger way. Many of the shutdowns, many of the changes that happened in our country started about a year ago. And, and there were so many things even bigger than COVID that happened in 2020. And, and politically, oh boy, right? You mean Jesus loves Republicans and Democrats? You're so confused right now. 
wait a minute, which one does pastor support? Yes. Jesus isn't limited by the things that we limit love with. He loves everyone without limits. And that's important too for us personally because for some of us, we've put limits on what God might actually love about us. That in fact, maybe there's things that you've done or experienced, things you've been through, that you are like, okay, I know God loves me, but he can't love this part of me. He can't love this part of my background or this part of my experience. And here's the reality. God doesn't love the sin, but he loves us, the sinner enough to lay down his life for it. So he loves us without limits because of what he's done for us. It's incredible what God has done through us in the sending of Jesus. And so as we look at this and in this moment, we've got to ask ourselves again the question, are we limiting God's love? Later in John 13, let me just read to you what he said we would be known by in verse 34 and 35. A little bit later, he, he says to them, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Not because you have all the answers, not because you have done all these great things, but because you have loved one another. That's powerful to think about. That in fact, Jesus' church, his disciples, are meant to be known by his love. How we doing, friends? Right? I, I mean, that's the question we have to ask ourselves. Is that what we're known by? On your seats and online right now, our host is dropping this, I believe, in the chat for you. I want you to grab the card that was in front of you. If you're online, you can follow along. And we're going to walk through this. Today will be one of the most practical messages I think you've ever heard. Okay? I think it's going to be practical, it's going to be encouraging, and it's going to be challenging. On the front of the card, you have a home in the middle with eight homes around it. Okay? You tracking with me? If we're to be known by our love, and if we're to love with all limits, this is a starting point. The question I want you to ask yourself today and moving forward is, who's my neighbor? And practically, I want to ask you, do you know your neighbors? Do you actually know them? Because here's the thing. When we can begin to put a name in each of these homes of these are my neighbors in front of my house, on the side of my house, behind my house, now we begin to have a starting point for loving our neighbors. This is literally the lowest we can get the bar. Are you with me? Okay, this actually comes out of a book called The Art of Neighboring. Uh, they did this in Denver years ago, and it's kind of spread across the country. I can't take credit, but I'll tell you, if we lean into this, I think it's going to make a huge difference in Pathway and Beyond. Because when you begin to know, and here's the thing, I can't be let off the hook. How long have I lived here? About four months. I can fill in right now all but one of these homes by God's grace in the neighborhood where we've just bought a home. We've been getting to know our neighbors and it's began 
by getting to know their names. Now, I'll, I'll be honest. I don't tell them what I do for a living. You ever met a pastor, right? We're not exactly the profession that everybody wants to hang out with, okay? So if we're out and about, you can introduce me as Brian to begin with, okay? Let them get to know me. You don't have to throw the titles on and all that stuff. And, and so I haven't yet revealed in many ways to my neighbors what it is I do, but we also are hearing it's getting out in the neighborhood, okay? And so just like me, you have neighbors. What does it look like to begin to fill this in? And I would challenge you, if you're a snowbird, that you could do this too in both locations you live. <laughs> I heard a whoa. <laughs> okay. I came across this, uh, if you look it up, it's a real thing. This is a sign for a community in Wyoming called Buford. Buford has been known as a community with one person in it for years. Now, some of you introverts are like, sign me up. Like you've loved COVID, right? You've loved the opportunity to pull back. But here's the deal, right? You don't live in Buford unless you actually live in Buford. And if, if it's you, hello, we love you, okay? We all have neighbors and God calls us to be known by our love and to know our neighbors. And to love without limits means also, if you look up in Acts 17, that God is the one that creates the boundaries, that places us in the places we're at. Meaning you may have chose where you live, but you didn't probably choose your neighbors. And so that means God knew and God knows that he puts you there and them there for a reason. And again, even the hardest people to love, according to what we're seeing in John 13 with Judas, means that, yeah, we got to love even them because they've got to love even us, right? Let's read on and see what happens here. In verse 3, because what happens is God, Jesus begins to serve with love those that are around him. Verse 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it to a, around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, you shall never wash, or Peter, I'm sorry, Jesus answered in verse seven, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. See, Jesus begins serving, and he begins doing it in a way that demonstrates his love. And here's the thing. Your neighbors will experience God's love as you serve. In fact, Martin Luther, uh, the great Protestant reformer, said this. He, he said, God doesn't need your good works, but your neighbor does. That God doesn't need your good works, but because of the love, because of what he's done for us, our neighbors need those good works. So can you imagine this moment when 
you have Jesus who in this setting is with his disciples and they're sitting in tables or around a table. And here's Jesus getting up from the table. Now you need to understand contextually in that moment, they are all Jewish and the person that would have actually typically been the one to wash feet would have been a non-Jewish slave of the household. This would have been somebody that was considered, in many ways, kind of the, the least of these and the lowest in the home. And nobody at Jesus' table had taken the initiative. Nobody had washed the feet. Now, their feet were probably as gross as some of ours. Maybe even worse, okay? I'll just tell you, I will never be a foot model. Like, my family jokes. I have, like, Shrek feet. Like, they, they need help, okay? And, and here's the thing. Most of us would say, like, feet are kind of gross, okay? And back then, I mean, you're talking about these leather sandals, and they're walking in dirt, and they're crusted and muddy. Just gross. And here's Jesus picking up a towel, grabbing some kind of bowl or basin with water, and coming to each of them and beginning to lovingly take the water and wash their feet. Now, it's a moment of humility, a moment of serving, a moment of expressing his love, and it's also incredibly intimate. As he's washing, this is not like a pedicure, right? Like, if you, I've never gone to a pedicure. I'm, like, too ashamed to do it, but, but, um, because of my feet, I told you about those. Um, but you, typically, I'm guessing, like, you don't go outside barefoot and then go to a pedicure, right? Like, you clean up your feet before that moment. Here's a moment where they're not expecting this, and it's incredibly intimate as Jesus is washing their feet. Now, here's the thing. Jesus loves without limits. Jesus also loves shamelessly. And this is so important for us. What does shamelessly mean? Here's the definition. As an adverb, it means in a blatant or brazen manner without shame. That in fact, this is blatant and brazen. It is bold. It is a love that is not worried about what they think or anyone else. You see how that applies. That in fact, in this passage, we know based on even great scholarship around this passage, that one of the people that he's washing feet of will betray him. That he's showing a shameless love that loves even Judas as he washes his feet. It's incredible, the heart of our God and of Jesus, isn't it? And so for us, Again, what does it look like for us to embrace this heart and posture of humility and love and serving? I worked at a uh, summer camp years ago. It's where God really changed and transformed my life. And it was in my college years. And, and at this camp, one particular year, I worked there two summers. One particular year, uh, we used John 13 was kind of this passage that we kind of anchored our, our teaching on throughout the weeks with the students. 
And one of the things we would often do is we would wash feet. We would actually uh, take a moment during the week where we would share the gospel and then we would actually wash the feet of the teenagers that were present. Now to prepare us for that, the leadership of the camp actually during training washed our feet. And I'll tell you, it was such a powerful moment to be sitting in a room, to be present and to be there. And here's a leader and a mentor of mine that in that moment, as he's reading John 13, just quietly goes and grabs a bowl and a towel and comes to me and to the others in the room and begins to wash our feet. I had never had somebody do that because, again, my feet are nasty, okay? And in that moment, as he's doing that, I honestly responded in many ways just like Peter. Did you catch what Peter did? His response was, no, not me, not me. And it's interesting how we can get caught up in loving and serving others out of a place that does something for us. But when somebody wants to do that to us or we need to receive more of God's love for us and how he serves us, we can get prideful and not know how to receive it. You see, it's meant to go both ways. This love is meant to come from Jesus and to flow through us. And so I'm so thankful that in that moment, that leader and mentor actually said, no, you need, you need to let go. You need to let me. And it broke me. It broke me. I, I was in tears as he washed my feet. I don't know which side of this you're on. If you've been loving and serving out of a place of thinking of what it does, what you're doing for God, what you're doing for others. If that's you, then, then I want you today to get in this seat and, and to be able to, to let God's love serve you again, to fill you, to renew you, to realize you need it as much as ever. We all do, amen? And maybe for you, you've you're got filled up and you've wondered, what is it for? Where is it supposed to go? And, and I believe as we see in this passage, that there's a heart posture of serving and humbly loving others. God's saying, will you just begin to love and serve those I've placed around you? As we think about this, there's actually another passage where Jesus talks about this and about greatness, in fact. Mark chapter 10, verse 42 through 45 says this. Jesus called to them and he said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. But whoever should be great among you also must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man, even Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many." Martin Luther King Jr. said this, everyone can be great because anyone can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You only need a heart full of grace, a soul generated by love. Isn't that beautiful? 
that in fact any of us can do this, that Jesus in fact demonstrated this heart of love and serving others. Any of us can do this. And it's a game changer when we begin to embrace it. One of the things that's interesting around Pathway is to begin to ask the question, how do we, how do, we do what we do? And, and the truth is, we don't have a large staff, we have a large volunteer base that actually is what leads to all the things we get to do and be a part of here. Uh, we have about 13 people part and full-time on staff. We need 135 volunteers a week to do what we do. Put that into perspective. What does that mean? That means, and, and if you ask the question, do you have 135 today? No. That's ideal state. That's where we're trying to get and what we believe is needed to really impact and lead with love and to serve. And so what does that mean? <laughs> Take out your phone. We would love to have you sign up to get more information about volunteering and serving. You see, we want to serve at Pathway and Beyond. And whether you begin with once a month or whether it's more often, we want to encourage you today. You can actually, like, I'm seeing nobody do it. So I'm going to just kind of like love without limits. I'm going to love without shame like Jesus. Can you pull it out? Okay. Even if you're pretending right now. <laughs> if you're online as well, you can fill out a, just a simple form at pathwayvb.com volunteer. And we would love to invite you to be a part of what God's doing here, to love and to serve and to make a difference. Now, here's the thing. I, I, I want to go on and, and show you a little bit more of what happens as you consider volunteering and serving. Because the title of this message is Serving Starts Here. And, and I want to look at what does it mean for Peter to embrace that in this moment as Jesus shows him this love and this serving that started with him. And so we're going to read on here in verse 9 at Peter's response. Simon Peter says to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. I love this. Peter's initial response is, no, no, I, you, you can't do that. You're my Lord. You're my Savior. You can't do that. And when he realizes that Jesus says, listen, if you don't have your head and your heart and your head, if you're not washed by me completely, then you can have no part in me. And I love Peter's response. I'm all in, all of me now, like wash me. And here's the thing. Some of this would speak to when we come to faith, it is an all in kind of moment. In so many ways, Jesus doesn't say, hey, give me part of you. He says, I'm giving you all of me so that you give me all of you. That, that in fact, when we're baptized, when we go under the water, it symbolizes the washing of God, that Jesus, in fact, has washed us of our sins. And he, as we come up out of the water, that we've been raised to new life just like Jesus was raised. So baptism is an incredibly important sacrament in the church. We have a baptism coming up on the 18th of April. We'd love to have you a part of it. You can sign up and get information. This is an all-in moment for Peter. He's saying, all of me. 
goes on, verse 10, Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That is why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. It's incredible to think about what Jesus is saying to us, isn't it? That he's saying, listen, you are no better than me, but because of all I've done for you, I want you to love and to serve others, to make a difference in the world, that you have a purpose, that part of that purpose is how you serve the people around you. And when it talks about go and wash their feet, do I think that we need to be literally washing everyone's feet? I don't know how the Lord will lead you. Um, Don't start with mine, as I told you earlier. I don't know, but I think what he's getting at is less about the exact moment of washing each other's feet and more about the heart posture of humility, of servanthood. Do you know that Jesus was a game changer in world leadership? That historically, you can look at the cross and life of Jesus Christ and see that servant leadership emerged after his death. In historical documents, leadership was all about power and force and control up until Jesus. And with Jesus, it became about serving and loving and humility. That's who our Lord and Savior is. That's who we follow. And as we follow him, he has incredible plans and works for each of us to do. And this is the thing. For some of us, it may begin here at Pathway. For all of us, it's going to be out there too. Here's what Ephesians 2.10 says, one of my favorite verses. It says, for we are his workmanship. Say workmanship. I'm going to sit there for a minute because in one translation it says masterpiece. The the actual word there for workmanship or masterpiece is the Greek word uh, poma where we would get the word poem or poetry. It's an artistic word. It's a word that says you and I are a work of art created in Christ Jesus. For what? Good works. That he has prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. And that's when life begins to get exciting, when we realize and hear his love for us, that he's fashioned and prepared us, that he has works he wants to walk us into, not works that I can do, not things that are for me, but for you. It's a game changer. And so flip over the card. If you're online, you can look at the card again. Our chat host will drop it in. Here is the most practical thing I could give you today. Beyond learning your neighbor's names, beyond learning to love those in your pathway, beyond serving here at Pathway to get started, I want to challenge us to do one of these five things every day. 
for the people around us. You ready? Because there's works he's prepared in advance and it's time to walk into them. Amen? So as we look at these, the first is the S. I will serve others by responding joyfully to to their needs. That I'll actually begin to serve others by joyfully responding to the needs around me. Secondly, again, you just do one of these five every day and you will see God begin to use you. I guarantee it. The second is I will engage the people God has placed in my pathway and pray for them. Prayer is a game changer. And when we can begin to pray for those even that have betrayed us, those that maybe we view as an enemy, those that have a different ideology and view than us, if we can begin to pray for them and engage them, God begins to soften hearts. Amen? Third, the R, I will retell, say retell, retell Jesus' story and how he is working in my life. Just sharing what you know about Jesus and what he's done for you can make such a difference. The V is I will value others by listening to them and understanding their story. By beginning to hear them and listen to them. You've probably heard the saying, you have two ears and one mouth. Listen more, speak less. Guess you haven't. Listening is a powerful tool that shows people we love and care about them. Learning their story. And then the last one, the fifth one, I will eat meals and spend time with those who need Jesus. You know, Jesus was accused of being a glutton in the Gospels. He hung out with people. He hung out with people that needed him. What does it look like for us even to begin to invite our neighbors for coffee, for tea, for a meal, to begin to love and get to know them? If we can serve like this, I believe we're going to experience an incredible move of God. And I want to just close with this illustration today because the reality is sometimes when we come to church, whether it's online or in person, we can feel like we're coming to an event. It's almost like we, we come to attend and, and, and we're critiquing it, right? You know, how good was it? And, and all of these things. And, and it can become almost like the church is a cruise ship right? Where we're coming, and I haven't been on a cruise, but I've heard about them, right? Like you, you get on that cruise ship, and it's all about you, and you get all the food you want, and you just keep eating, and eating, right? And it's all there for you. The reality is, it's not meant to be a cruise ship. The church is meant to be more like an aircraft carrier, I want to show you two quick pictures. This one is from two years ago. I I visited in San Diego, the U.S. Midway. Absolutely blew me away to see the size of this aircraft carrier. An aircraft carrier that was deployed after Pearl Harbor, that actually was instrumental in the battle at Midway. And and in many ways, what the difference is, is our vantage point. I want to show you this next picture that actually is from the captain's nest on this aircraft carrier. Looking up at it, it's massive, but then having the view of that captain, having that view just kind of changed everything and put it into perspective. And being on that cruise ship, 
or not cruise ship, the aircraft carrier, I could see all of the different jobs, all the different ways that they worked together and they would send out planes and missions. This is the difference in what Jesus' church is meant to be. We come together on the weekends and environments during the week to connect and to grow so that we go and serve and make a difference. This is meant to fill us up, to go out and to follow him and to make a difference in our world. And I believe that God is going to be moving on each of us in new ways. Your faith, I believe, if you stay and allow God to move in your heart, is going to be moved to new levels as you love and serve others. This is a move of God. Let me pray for us. If you'll stand, we're going to go into a time of worship and just inviting God's presence to fill us, to fuel us, that we didn't just come to to receive, but we're being prepared to go and to serve and to make a difference. Jesus, we love you. We praise you. Thank you, God, for this morning, the opportunity to, to come into your presence. And Father, we want to follow you boldly. We want to love without limits, to love shamelessly. And we want to declare boldly that serving starts here. May it begin in our hearts. And may you move in mighty ways as we follow you out into the world. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. During this time, the altars are open. Come forward. We would love to pray for you. Let's worship him together. This is a move.
God is moving in this place. Amen? And I just want to encourage you to keep leaning into that. Um, after I dismiss this in a minute after prayer, I'm going to actually invite the team to continue to worship a little bit. And uh, if you want to stay and, and, and worship with us a little bit longer and lean in or come to the altars and pray, I just believe that when we're faithful to how God is moving, you know, we, we could say, God, move, move. But if we're not saying yes and following him, we're missing the move. And so as we get ready to go, these cards, I want to pray over them. This isn't just some cute idea. This is what I believe God has given us with some direction for you to take this, to put it maybe on your refrigerator or on your bathroom mirror and to begin to fill it out. And then as you fill out the names, to flip it over and to begin to think about how are you serving your neighbors? How are you serving your coworkers? If you're a student in your school, how are you serving? God is on the move. And if we begin to follow him, watch out. We're going to see renewal and revival in a church and a community that's being transformed. So, Father, we come to you now and we thank you for who you are. We thank you, Jesus, for your great love for us, that you came in humility and served us even to death on the cross. Thank you, Father, for the life you give us through your resurrection, the forgiveness you give us through your death on that cross. God, who are we? You are so amazing and so incredible, and we pray that that love would begin to impact each of us in new ways. And Father, as we get ready to go, whether we're online or in person, these cards, I believe, God, are something you want to use that we would love and serve all in our pathway. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us to get to know and love our neighbors, that as we do that, you would show us ways of serving and engaging with your love. Father, we thank you for what's ahead, and we're going to give you all the glory as you move among us. Father, as we prepare to go, may you be with us, and may we be the church you have called us to be. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen. If you're a visitor, please go out those doors to our Welcome Center. We have a gift for you. The rest of you stay. Lean into his presence. And as you feel led to go, you can go. Go now and be the church. Let's go from the top. Let's go from the top. are still being moved. Strongholds are still being loosed. And God, we believe it. Yes, we can see that. Wonders are still what you do.
come.